Hi, my name is Dr. Mark Allen Derry, and I'm an infectious diseases specialist in New Orleans. Hi, my name is Doc Griggs, and I'm a community medicine doctor and health literacy expert. This is the Noise Filter Podcast, where an infectious diseases physician, that's me, and a health literacy and communications expert, that's me, talk about what you need to know about COVID-19. You can find more information about this show and our other daily live updates and Q&A show at noisefiltershow.com. So let's get started. COVID-19 vaccination plans and equitable distribution. As a response to the COVID-19 pandemic, U.S. states have had to come up with plans for their vaccine distribution once COVID-19 vaccines were approved for emergency use by the FDA. The National Academies of Science, Engineering, and Medicine then had to come up with a framework to assist policymakers in planning for equitable vaccine allocation. A recent study by a team of researchers led by Dr. Juan C. Rojas at the University of Chicago examines how states in the U.S. subsequently plan to ensure equitable vaccine distribution. The study evaluates 51 COVID-19 distribution plans, one plan for each state and Washington, D.C., in order to determine which states plan for vaccine equity. States employ different criteria to determine what constituted a high-risk medical condition and therefore which groups would receive priority vaccine access. In some states, people aged over 65 were prioritized. In others, it was people over the age of 75. In addition, the most common conditions which were deemed high-risk across most states were diabetes and obesity. While these diseases were indeed high-risk, sickle cell disease, which disproportionately affects African Americans, was only listed as a high-risk condition in less than three-quarters of state plans. This is a disproportionate impact on minority populations in the U.S. and how they're affected by COVID-19, thus exacerbating existing racial health disparities. Minority populations have approximately five times the greater risk of adverse COVID-19 complications and also tend to suffer from limited access to health care, socioeconomic difficulties, and unfortunately, racism. Plans for equitable vaccine distribution would ultimately help lessen the burden of the pandemic on minorities and under-resourced communities. However, only 21 states created health equity committees, and of these 20 states, only eight included minority group representatives. Dr. Rojas's team acknowledged that some state plans were in their early stages and that vaccine rollout efforts would likely continue to be adjusted and updated. Their study concludes with the aim that it will help inform ongoing equitable vaccination distribution efforts and that it would be used to guide policies for potential healthcare crises in the future. The current administration has made reducing health disparities one of its key aims, and equitable vaccine distribution would help to minimize these gaps. Vaccine distribution is an ongoing process, and with greater numbers of people getting vaccinated and increasing ease of access to vaccines, minority populations will hopefully receive their fair share of vaccinations as states continue to adjust their plans. Grief support through religion and spirituality in the pandemic. 
Now, the pandemic has brought forward painful heartbreaks and grief as people continue to lose loved ones to COVID-19. Now, under normal circumstances, many people turn to faith leaders to find solace and healing during the grieving of a loss. Now, with COVID-19, this process has been halted as community gatherings are still not permissible. Funeral proceedings, among other events, which help people navigate through grief, have been limited due to the continued threat of coronavirus. Given these challenges, faith leaders across different religions and spiritual beliefs have adapted to provide support through faith in new ways. That's right. In fact, Pastor Patrick Young hosts a congregation of 350 people in New York. The congregation has not come together in person for over a year. But during the pandemic, several members of the church did pass away from COVID. On the other hand, most of his congregation knew someone who passed away from COVID. And as the numbers grew, Pastor Young decided to start a fireside chat weekly on Thursdays in which he does a phone call with the entire congregation. During these calls, he includes a segment called Faith Through the Pandemic to allow his congregation to grieve, vent, or simply talk out the collective emotions and feelings they are experiencing. Though they cannot congregate in person, he offers these phone calls as a means to continue community support through their shared faith. In Los Angeles, Rabbi Jason Weiner is a chaplain at a hospital. He explains that hospital chaplains have a particularly challenging job as they're constantly surrounded by death within the hospital. Huh, imagine that. A chaplain has a difficult job because they're surrounded by death in the hospital. (laughs) That's something that uh, Julie and I can talk about all day long. Oh, yeah. Many families who lose loved ones display an array of emotions that grief brings on. Sometimes the family members feel anger or distrust with God or frustration with the unwanted circumstances before them. Rabbi Weiner explains that his role is to help ground these families in these moments of grief. He offers his compassion and love and tries to help soothe the tension experienced after a loss of a loved one. So we're collectively experiencing grief across the globe right now, and many are not able to fully go through the process of grief as COVID-19 continues to produce more grief before we can heal from prior losses. Faith leaders and representatives have been challenged to discover ways in which they can still offer spiritual support under new restrictions that the pandemic has brought. Many have adapted to institute new facets of supportive systems within faith-based communities. The underlying message is that no one is in this alone. Faith leaders want to remind people that their emotions are valid and there is space to work through their grief process and begin to heal, even if the space is virtual for the time being. Indeed. Health organizations use digital mapping tools to aid pandemic response. For many health organizations, pandemic response has been a question of location, identifying where COVID transmission is highest and where vaccination and testing may be lagging in order to effectively deploy limited services. According to the New York Times, many public health experts have been using geospatial data to get this information. Most of this data is visualized through tools like geographic information systems or GIS software in order to create easy-to-digest maps of things like case and vaccination rates. This kind of mapping has already been very useful across the country. In New York, Suffolk County, digital mapping helped the government's pandemic response team to identify low vaccination rates in neighborhoods where English was a second language. 
Using this data, they added Spanish and Haitian Creole to their vaccine hotline, and the vaccination rate in those neighborhoods increased. Count me in, former Georgia gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams' vaccination campaign uses GIS data to overcome issues of accessibility to the vaccine as well. The initiative maps vaccination sites across Georgia and compares them to data on possible obstacles to getting the vaccine, such as low rates of car ownership or computer access. Then Count Me In was also able to send mobile vaccine clinics to areas that had few clinics and high barriers to access. They began canvassing in those areas, hoping to book more than 4,000 vaccine appointments. According to the New York Times, geospatial data can be also helpful to logistic companies that handle the vaccines themselves. In the U.S., many states have large rural counties where vaccination sites can be hard to access for many people, including those with disabilities, that keep them going at home. Using digital mapping, these counties were able to map requests for online appointments in order to minimize waste and maximize the number of shots they can deliver. Just as a reminder that COVID-19 and the human immunodeficiency virus do share the same risk factors. Doc Griggs. Thanks for listening to the Noise Filter Daily Podcast. Dr. Derry and I have a daily show at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time where we go into more detail on stories and answer your questions about COVID-19. You can find Doc Griggs at DocGriggs1 on social media, and you can find me at Dr. Mark Allen Derry or at D-R-D-E-R-Y. You can follow us at Noise Filter on Instagram, Noise Filter NOLA on Twitter, and for more information about us and the show, you can go to noisefiltershow.com. Hey, Doc Griggs, any last words? Remember, get checked, get fit, get moving. And remember to get some rest to boost your immune system. And Doc? Protect yourself and others by staying home, and please wear masks when you go outside. Remember, health is a human right.